on this week's episode, can Elvis hit a high note at the box office? Will Beavis and Butthead really do the universe? And will Melinda make Gerald eat some crow? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or anything that you can do to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, where we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. So please go ahead and support us today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we also cover the latest news and trends each and every day right there for you as well. The Lakers Fast Break, where we cover the latest news and trends in the NBA and the Los Angeles Lakers, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae, our good friend Josh, who is commanding the ship known as Humanica Media, Wizards and Wine, Demolition Force, all the great things that we're a part of right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is someone who is going to enjoy watching me eat a little crow coming up here in a sec. It is my good friend. She is doing such an amazing job with all the tabletop RPG games that she's doing out there, including Wizards and Wine, Vampires and Vitae. She's got mm-hmm. even more coming up that she's going to explain to you as well. It is my good friend. It is. Well, I'm glad she's still my good friend, especially after <laughs> I had to break the news to her from what I did last week. Mm-hmm. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross and Melinda. Yes. Before we get into anything in regards to Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi uh-huh. or Ms. Marvel or Disney Plus or uh-huh. the weekend box office or Westworld season four or Beavis and the Butthead doing the universe or anything else for that matter. There is a little matter that I already mentioned on the Monday show, which I said I was going to go ahead and reiterate on this one. And that is, Mm -hmm. I made a Uh boo-boo, a journalistic boo-boo, which I really feel bad about because I didn't fully check my sources as I should have. And that Diablo 4, according Uh to a press release officially from the folks at Blizzard, Uh are going to go ahead after all, when it comes out next year, going to release it out on xbox platforms and Uh also pc platforms Uh and yes they are going to release it on two playstation platforms as well including the five and the four Uh that's what they said that's what it's written down there on the site i should have looked Uh at that one instead of the other sites that i tried to go ahead and give some love to 
Sorry, I would not do that again, or at least I'll try not to, but I atone for my mistakes. I have apologized off the air to you 500 million times. <laughs> yeah, it's like one message a day. I am so sorry yes. about Diablo. And I am going to go ahead and do it here on the air. I'm going to eat some crow because I'm a man of my word. I said on the Monday show that I would eat some crow tonight. But since crow is pretty hard to find in today's yeah. day and age that's yeah. ready to go ahead and be eaten, I'll eat something close to it. A fellow bird in the, the whole pantheon of birds. I'm going to eat some turkey that hopefully everybody can picture out there in podcast land that actually looks like crow. So I am going to eat some crow. How about that? Sounds great. Okay. I will admit, Gerald, that... Tastes like turkey. After... <laughs> Weird that crow tastes like turkey and not chicken. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I will I'm admit... chewing on the air, which is really good podcasting, by the way. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. the best broadcasting. But go ahead. But go ahead. After you told me uh, about the error, I spent a lot of time watching trailers and gameplay clips and cutscene clips and all of that stuff that I had been purposely avoiding because my poor little heart was already broken. So I am all caught up. And my only question now is when does the pre-order start? Well, they haven't made it available yet for pre-order. Again, they haven't even set a official date. The only yeah. inference that you got was from Microsoft stating that the game was targeted and you know in the video game industry targeting and actually doing are two different things yeah the way games get delayed these days was for the next 12 months they tried to focus on games that were going to be released within the next 12 months from their xbox showcase last week right and diablo 4 was one of those that they're targeting so I would probably say if you put, again, I'm doing this like on the Lakers fast break, only saying proverbial, please don't put a gun to my head for real life. But if you're putting right. a proverbial gun to my head, probably going to say it's sometime around May or June as of now. Although we're here in Vegas, I would put even money on the game getting delayed till sometime late next year. I, I'm just going to say that right now. I mean, but they say 12 months as of now. But they haven't given an exact date on that. So pre-orders usually what these days, since we now live in a digital age, can be done what? Only now in two, three months in advance. And they, you know, this pretty much does the trick. Back in the day, it used to be like six months to nine months to a year sometimes. We used to yeah. pre-order those back in the day. But now you can pretty much do it within six to eight weeks and, and everything's cool on that. So I, there's been no definitive date given, but as of now it said 12 months from now within that period of time so you know yeah. give or take a, a month or two but we'll see what happens but yes you'll know when i know when to pre-order it how about that and holy smokes now i now have approximately a year to get all of the girls from wizards and wine from start to finish of diablo maxing out characters as often as we can so that we are all ready for diablo 4 and, and I'm eating some more crow. I'm just going to yeah. tell you, I'm going to eat a little bit more crow before we continue the show. So, yeah. There go. But before I finish and go ahead, this crow, beautiful yeah. crow, a.k.a. turkey, yep. please go ahead and give everybody an update on what you're working on with all the great games that you're a part of for Pop Culture Cosmos. Sure. So coming up this Sunday, of course, we've Good got crow. Vampires. 
and <laughs> we've got vampires and Vitae. Uh, the live stream for that one you can catch on the Pop Culture Cosmos Twitch. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, all of the usual places. And that starts at 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. Our latest podcast episode for Vampires and Vitae drops tomorrow morning. Uh, it's like 2 a.m. the Las Vegas time. So I believe that's 6 or 7 a.m. on the East Coast. I can't remember which because I also have Atlantic time in there as well. So my brain gets a little bit weird about it. So that's exciting. We're looking forward to that. Also, super excited. I have two people who have not really played D&D before, two people who've played it once in a while, and then I have Rob and then I have Roger coming together around a table this Monday night for the very first official stream of the Las Vegas group for Wizards and Wine in the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So, Have you ever uh, seen a car of... crash in person? Maybe this could be something <laughs> near it. I just <laughs> no, say that out loud. I don't think so. I have been prepping for this game, Gerald, for like a solid six months. Okay. All if right. something goes wrong in this game, it's because I have had a complete and utter failure as a DM. Okay. And I truly hope that that will not happen. And if you these... can't blame Roger, I can't blame Roger. Okay. I might be able to blame Robbie a little bit. Oh, um... he's your husband, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, so uh, we're, we're very excited about it. The cast, as I call them, they're all super stoked and uh, we've got a brand new backdrop. So this one will be Vampires and Vitae exclusive, and then we have a different one for The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which is really cool, and I'm really excited to, to get a chance to show it off. So, Well, I am wishing you all the best with that, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a massive undertaking, and like I said, the most prep that I've ever done for a game before. I really want this to be something special. So, so one last time, where can people find all this action going down? The Pop Culture Cosmos Twitch and Facebook page. You can also look up Wizards and Wine on Facebook and watch it there. And you can also look up Wizards and Wine on YouTube and you can have a boo at it there as well. Plus, it drops in podcast form on Mondays, approximately six o'clock Eastern Standard Time. All right, there you go. Everything that she described, please go ahead and follow it today, wherever you get your podcast, and of course, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But Coming up after the break, we're going to take an early break right now. We're going to be talking at length in regards to Disney Plus, the weekend box office. Also, we're going to touch on Westworld Season 4 and Beavis and Butthead do the universe on Paramount Plus. Oh my gosh, what could Beavis and Butthead do with the universe? We'll talk about that coming up throughout the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, finishing eating my crow for the day right here at the PCC Multiverse. <laughs> you just love that. Yeah, yep, there you go. <laughs> just, <laughs> sorry. Just, just uh, another 30 seconds of enjoying it. Okay. Okay, enough. not even 30 seconds. Just another like five seconds. Okay. Okay, that's good. All right. We can, we can move on. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Now, this is legitimate laughter between her and I. When you Let me ask you this. In your 20 years, it's something I've always wanted to know. In your 20 years oh. of radio mm-hmm. business behind the, the, the mic before all of the Canadian radio that you worked with, were there any point in time that they asked you to go ahead and make those laughs? Because that's one thing I hear a lot in American radio is that those just like those manufactured laughs that they seem like they're required to do for stuff that I'm going on the driving on the road thing. That isn't funny. Yeah. So there's a, 
I don't know if dichotomy is the correct word, but there is a role that usually falls on a female co-host. It's called the laugh track. And that's when your female co-host doesn't really contribute a whole lot to the show. She's just there to make the host of the show feel like he is a tried and true stand-up comedian. Well, that's that's her role in the show is to just laugh. Um, well, I mean, yeah. it's a great, I mean, well, if you, they want that type of job and they get paid like buco bucks, I guess it's a good job if you get it, but right, I don't yeah. think that's really too fair. I mean, yeah, you know. no. And it's a position or a, I shouldn't say position. It's a role. I think that I started to see go by the wayside uh, before I left radio behind in Canada. So okay. I know that it is something that is becoming less and less popular. And I think that it's because there's this massive bubble that a lot of people don't know about in radio, but there's this massive bubble of incredibly talented female broadcasters that are coming through. And I'm not saying that this hasn't happened before, but I was like on the, the, the front end of this bubble that's moving through the system right now. So expect to hear a lot more female voices simply because there's not a male voice to put on the air to fill the role I, I don't know how to explain it better than that. There's just a, a, an influx of really great and wonderful and smart, talented female broadcasters that are coming through the pipeline right now. And nice. it's it's a really cool bubble. And we had three male announcers and that was mm. it between two radio stations. The rest of us were all females. Well, um, I'm, I'm hoping for that as well. So we can yeah. get the share of diversity and that share of inclusivity that we really need on the air. So I'm really looking forward to yeah. seeing that happen as well. It's just a pendulum swing. That's really or hearing what that it talks up happen. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just a, it's a pendulum swing. That's really what it comes down to. Okay. Well, I'm hoping you will again lead that challenge right here with us at the Pop Culture Cosmos as we continue out with our great radio stations that we have on the air. So we thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be getting into some good stuff right now with Disney Plus because Disney Plus had a busy week. One thing I've always told you or one thing I've always insinuated when it comes to Disney Plus is the fact that I think one of their flaws is content, content, right. content, content. I've said that at nauseum. I think you probably un unfortunately hear that while you're at, at some of your, your <laughs> where you are in life. You hear like Gerald's talking about Disney Plus and their lack of content again. But I'm saying right now that this was a very busy week for them because they not only had one, not two, but three major releases this week. But they did it at the same time with Obi-Wan Kenobi, the season finale, Miss mm -hmm. Marvel, episode three, and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness all dropping at the same time, which does pop culture nerds out there. That's awesome. That's great. But couldn't you have spaced it out? I mean, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe that would have been a little bit better. I don't know. I'm not in charge of Disney+. Plus. Maybe I should. Maybe Melinda should. I don't know. Maybe someone should before they go ahead and do that. Because in the case of Miss Marvel, I'm worried that the, you know, the kind of word out there is that it's not getting the highest ratings in the world, or at least the highest ratings of the Marvel shows out there. And this, I don't think, helped matters because it gets snowed under by both the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale for their season one, which they're hoping for a season two. And then, of course, the Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, which I re-watched again, and it actually was a better experience and a much more beautiful experience on a 4K television than what I saw in theaters for me. Anyways, I just truly cannot recommend enough 
watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on a television. It's an okay movie. If you go ahead and check out my popculturecosmos.com site, my number of where it stands in the pantheon, the MCU is not going to change. It's not exactly high up on the list, but when you see it, the colors, the imagery, everything just looks so much better when you watch it on Disney Plus if you've got a decent TV. So I highly recommend that experience if you didn't catch it already. But getting to Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the season finale happened this week. And I know you said that you're going to be watching it. You're going to be as far as the finishing it up here very shortly. Yes. Uh, I got to go ahead and put out some spoilers on it. Because yeah, I've no, got please, please do. Yeah, we made the decision last night to start to watch Doctor Strange. And, well, we will talk about that later. So we just didn't but get didn't it. Okay. But didn't it look good? The visuals looked good to you as far as on your television set yeah we started watching it really late at night so we didn't really get super far into it before we both fell okay. asleep unfortunately well, and i mean that, that 4k yeah. the, the high yeah. def 4k the imax enhanced they really go out of their way to make a a digital viewing experience so i'm going to give disney your props on that as far as yeah. that's concerned but getting back to kenobi all right i'm going to put some spoilers in here and i'll do it right now the episode overall i think was good it could have been great okay but i think there was some poor direction involved in regards to it some some errors and some flaws in there that are going to be disturbing to some really some star wars you know fanatics out there i think the first thing that kind of bothered me was the fact that in the episode 5 you saw reva played by Moses Ingram, who, again, did a great job throughout the series. She gets mm -hmm. kudos from me, and I'm wishing her continued success in whatever she's choosing, or if she comes back, if they do a season two and whatnot. She got a lightsaber to the gut, through and through, from Darth Vader, if you checked out episode five, and she was left lying on the, the planet that obi-wan had already taken off from with the insurgents and closely followed by the empire now <laughs> the star wars series as a whole is like okay we're gonna go ahead and have a battle we're gonna leave you for dead but we're not gonna kill you because we know what comes up later in the star wars pantheon i mean that ha seemingly happens to almost everyone in this series as right. far as we've already even seen it in episode three i'm gonna leave you for dead obi-wan but you know what? You're going to be A-OK -okay by <laughs> the next episode. And you're going to make it through. Because, yes, we know what happens as far as the ultimate end goal for both Kenobi and Darth Vader. But the whole series seems to be centered around those type of confrontations, which are good, but unfortunately leave you unsatisfied as far as the ultimate thing is concerned. But the first thing that happens, the first thing you see in this, the, this episode, this last episode, was Moses Ingram's Reva character down on Tatooine ahead of everything else. I mean, just it didn't show her struggling. It didn't show her from the predicament that she was in. It showed her struggling down on Tatooine. But the fact is, how did she get so fast over to Tatooine? Why is that the first scene that we see? Because the next scene is the continuance of what we see with the insurgents and the Empire which kind of bothered me as far as the placement of it. Couldn't there have been a little bit of time that lapsed 
because the inference is that Moses Ingram is the fastest being in the universe as right. far as getting up after a lightsaber to the gut and through and through, and then all of a sudden getting up and whoosh, heading over to Tatooine faster than anybody. I'm just like, it just was crazy just to think like, okay, should have put this like 10 minutes down the line and you would have been good, or at least some type of explanation a little bit better than that. The mm. second thing is, is that the Empire with Darth Vader in tow and one of the Inquisitors, who was also in the first episode, or I think in the second episode, was left for dead and is magically alive again, you know, because, you know, everybody is left for dead. I think that they should rename the series Star Wars Left for Dead. But me, anyways, Darth Vader, they're pursuing, the Empire's pursuing the insurgents, the one ship, the insurgents, and they're, they're laying a whole battery of... of of cannons after it and, and looks everything looks dark and, and meek for the insurgents in this one ship with Obi-Wan in it. And Obi-Wan is going like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and distract him. I'm going to go ahead and get on the escape ship that they had as far as part of this big passenger ship. And I'm going to go ahead in a different direction. You guys go in another direction. And O'Shea Jackson, who did a great job, he, he just cannot say enough good things about his performance as well. O'Shea Jackson he said, you know what? Okay, I will go ahead and lead these insurgents and we'll go ahead in a different direction. So you see it going off in a different direction. You see Obi-Wan going off in a different direction. And the Empire is saying, okay, let's go after the insurgents. It's just one Jedi. Let's just go after the insurgents. They're causing a big problem that'll turn into the rebellion, that'll turn into the resistance, that'll turn into blah, 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 which you've seen over the course of all these movies. So as they're splitting up, of course, in all the rage, Darth Vader is obviously going to go for the one mm -hmm. Jedi. So he mm -hmm. tells the, the big command ship to go after the one. And my question to you is, if you were Darth Vader and you still had fighters on your command ship that you could actually easily get into and go ahead and, and go after Obi-Wan, while your command ship goes after the insurgents, wouldn't you have done that instead? Why don't just why don't you just launch all of the fighters to follow the insurgents? Or and something like that. Your, yeah, use your command ship to go after Obi-Wan. I know which way, it, right? I think it's it's pretty well established in the show that, you know, it's it's a very singular quest for Vader to get a hold of Obi-Wan. So a couple minutes later, after he made that decision. Okay. And the insurgents go one way and the command ship goes another. What does he say? Oh, oh, get me my ship. So he gets a ship anyways and he goes after Obi-Wan Kenobi anyways as they go to some deserted planet to go ahead and have their lightsaber battle that at the end of the day meant totally nothing because they both got after each other. They both had their mano y mano they both had their, okay, I'm uh, doing so well on you, throwing a whole bunch of rocks and boulders on you. I've, I've collapsed everything on you. I've left you for dead. I'm sure you're dead. Oh, wait, I'm alive. Okay, go ahead. I'll fight you again a little bit more just to go ahead and have that happen. The only thing in all this is that they actually were at a point where Obi-Wan strikes Darth Vader, gets the uh -huh. one up on him, yeah. takes part of his helmet off. And they have a very emotional and poignant conversation, which is worth the entire episode in and of itself. So I will leave it at that. The other thing is, is that Reva, who, again, is supposed to be injured with a through and through. So, you know, if right. you got me, Melinda, with a through and through uh -huh. on a lightsaber, I think I'm in hurting. 
And she was actually dragging herself when she finally got to Tatooine, which was actually 30 seconds into the episode. She finds out at the end of episode five about Luke and the yes. fact that Uncle Owen and his farm, that he has Luke there. So he goes after said Luke and with the full intention of her killing him. So that would get at Anakin because killing the son that Darth Vader, a.k.a. Anakin, never knew about it would kind of make him mad, would kind of be an ultimate revenge, right? Because if she couldn't match up against Darth Vader, do the next best thing, go after the sun. So, okay, here's what happens there. She goes after Luke. She gets to the farm. They set up as far as defense. And Luke, actually, in all the fighting that goes on, books on out. He just heads on out. He heads on out to uh, the rocks and uh, trying to get away from Reva, who is... somehow rejuvenated from this through and through that she got in the last episode. And she's now running after Luke, which is just crazy. The fact that she was just dragging herself when she got to tattooing. And now all of a sudden she's, you know, fine as a daisy and just, you know, going after, going after Luke, got to go get me some Luke. Yeah. And zero time in the tank. So she couldn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Okay, it gets to the point where there's a convenient fall by Luke. Somehow he's not familiar enough with the rocks and he's probably been around a hundred times already in his young life and he falls and he, you know, there's right in front of Reva and Reva has the choice to kill him or not kill him. And you, we know what happens there as far as it's right. concerned. We, we know what happens. So she ends up bringing him back. At the same time, Obi-Wan, after his confrontation with Darth Vader, which amounted to a whole bunch of nothing, right? <laughs> got to Tatooine. And with Owen and uh, Ansaru, just, yeah, they were just all sitting there amazed that, you know, he's still, Luke is still alive, that, that Reva didn't, uh, Reva spared him and say, you know, just think about what she now needs to do with her life. And if we get a season two, we're going to find out more of that. But yeah, it's just, you, you saw so much opportunities to really make this the great episode. There are cameos involved. One of which I think we was just basically telegraphed from episode one, even though, you know, the individual that showed up at the end of the episode said that he would never do TV work or just, he said he was a film snob and wouldn't do TV work. And okay. I'm talking about Liam Neeson there. So he Uh he actually show up at the end of the episode, but Ian McDermott, you know, as also at the end of the episode talks to Darth Vader, tries to give him a good old fashioned pep talk and, you know, also at the same time, play mind games with them. Were, were you so, are you, are you still being influenced by your old master? And of course, you know, we know the history on that one. So as it continues on. So overall, again, I thought outside of some poor direction at times, I thought this was an episode that based off of one really emotionally bonding conversation, which Star Wars fans will absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I really think this is an okay episode, but it could have been so much more. In fact, this series was like pretty good, but it could have done a, just a couple things here and a couple things there, and it could have really left you wanting more. It, it, it actually, it really leaves you wanting more. It could have really done so much more. It's still good. I still think I want to see a season two, but I think, again, there should have been something more. Right. I am. Really excited to watch it. As soon as we're done here, I'm going upstairs to watch it. But Okay. May the force be with you. One of the things that I'm really excited about is the guys that I work with are huge Star Wars fans. Okay. Like the hugest Star Wars fans I think I've ever met. Like massive. 
And they were talking about episode five, which is the one where Vader rips the ship apart. Mm -hmm. Which was... And I gives Moses Ingram, Reva, the through and through. Right. And I have to admit, him stopping the ship and then ripping it open like it was just a, like a can of sardines was... That was good. Coolest thing I think I've seen in a really long time. That was really great. If that had have happened in episode six, would it change your mind? Something like that, probably. Like a big moment like that. I mean, yeah. I know the emotional moment, but like a big, like true, it's just like so, the power of Vader moment. You know, that's the I guess the the conundrum you have in creating this series. Obviously, the good is that there's still now so much love for the prequels in a way. There's still so much love for Ian McGregor because he's the only thing that people were taking as a positive from the prequels that they could go ahead and bring him back for series. Now that everybody loves Anakin after, what, 15 years that they didn't love Anakin, that they (laughs) can go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and enjoy this as best we can. But the problem is you're bound. You are bound by what has already been created in the Star Wars universe. Right. So it's very tough thing to go ahead and do these prequels with that in mind and well actually these are not all prequels this is a extension of the prequels that yeah it's like an adjacent George, too right yeah it's really hard for them to do i know i understand that it's this the confines of it is what it is because the fact that you are pigeonholed into what you can really do based off the previous star wars canon because you cannot do so much left or right because of the fact that there's so much canon that's already been produced that you're still holding on to at Disney and Star Wars. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's a there's a lot of uphill climbs that you've got to make in order to have everything in there and have everything make sense. Because at this point, I don't even think that you can retcon anything. No. You know? It's really hard point. to. Yeah. Yeah. And anything that they try to do that would tweak the Star Wars canon a little bit, oh my gosh, they would get so much flack for it. They've got actually there was some, a couple things that they were tweaking a little bit that you know kind of really got people mad. So again, you're really it's between a rock and a hard place. You want the ratings, you want the show. Ian McGregor wants to do it. Hayden Christensen he wants to do uh, season two. You have the possibility of seeing more Liam Neeson, which I absolutely would love to go ahead and see his character outside of just the 30 seconds you got to see him on this series. So I'm hoping to see an extension of that. But everybody out there, we want to know your thoughts as we head to the half-hour break. Please let us know if you want to see a Season 2 of Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi and what were your thoughts on Season 1. Overall, again, my complaining aside, I really thought it was good, it was enjoyable, but again, you're bound by what you're doing in the Star Wars universe that has been done already. So I want to hear your thoughts on Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi. Melinda is having a good time with it. I had, like I said, I thought it was okay. What are your thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Okay, wait. Wait, I... I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is um, uh, that's uh, obver ob, ob, <laughs> Close obvious, enough. Obvulation? It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. 
So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can. You are still naked. Oh God. The music stops and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh God, this is. The prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two, to Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again, it's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Gerald Glassford right here for you at the PCC Multiverse. I wanted to go ahead and hit you up with this. Miss Marvel, Episode 3. I am so worried that this show is getting snowed under by, again, all the releases that are coming out and by whatever issues or concerns people have over the series or do they feel this series is important. I know that it, we were talking last week how we didn't think it was so great at the episode two because it was catering to a younger audience than us. And maybe we were just not gravitating to it. Episode three was solid. I thought episode three dealt a little bit more with things that they could go ahead and correlate to a general audience. The threat of exactly who is after the bracelet that has so much of this power, this creep power, how it, they originally found it in the first place over 100 years ago. The forces that have managed to stay young for a hundred years that are still after this artifact are still, and they're actually, she faced off against them at the end. I really am liking this. I also am liking the fact that it is also teaching me more about Pakistani culture. I really think that is something that I really am appreciating. Do they get a little bit off track with some other things sometimes? Yes. Do they go ahead and and maybe stay a little bit longer on some one note things that they could go ahead and make it more attractive to a general audience by providing a little bit more action here and there? Yes. But overall, I'm having a pretty good time with it. Miss Marvel's been a solid watch for me. How's it been for you? I've enjoyed it. I really have. And I am also one of those people who is like, you know, this is definitely for a bit of a younger audience hmm. to the point where I have a, a grandmother and grandson who come in every single Friday. They get a veggie pizza and a plain cheese pizza and they have a sleepover at grandma's house on a Friday night and they watch movies. Oh, that's I, cool. turned, I turned them on to Miss Marvel and uh, the next week. So they watched the first episode. They came back the next week. And the grandmother was like, thank you so much for that suggestion. I know that they're having an absolute blast watching it together. So to say that it's not something that a lot of different types of people can enjoy, I think is selling the show a little bit short. In hindsight, that might have been a a little bit too tough of a a critique that I had for it. I haven't watched the third episode yet, obviously, because I watched Doctor Strange instead of my usual TV stuff last night. But I'm looking forward to, to sitting down and watching it. I think it's... One of those shows that absolutely deserves some attention, and I think it absolutely deserves a chance. So if you're kind of on the fence about it, understand that it is about a teenager. Expect that kind of stuff. But, you know, expect a, a really great and entertaining show as well. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's, a, I think it's a good solid watch. Again, I'm having yeah. a decent time with it. Episode two was kind of a little bit of a bummer for me, but episode three kind of picked things up, especially near the end. Episode yeah. one, I thought was really solid, and I thought again, Marvel put a lot of effort into trying to make it appealing to a general audience based off of what I saw in episode one. It was only episode two, and they did a little bit more character building within the confines of the these teenagers. Is that where it sometimes loses people? But again, learning more about the Pakistani culture, learning more about Miss Marvel and that background as well. Hopefully we will get to learn more. It's at the halfway point right now. It is six episodes long. So we're going to only be seeing three more episodes of Miss Marvel. 
I'm hoping people won't just treat her character as an afterthought once this yeah. is done. I hope that they will go ahead and understand that she's going to play a role in the future with the Young Avengers. She could play a major role in the Marvels, which is supposed to be the sequel to Captain Marvel. That when that comes out, whenever that comes out, I'm not even sure what that is, but she is going to play a role in that. So I'm hoping people will go ahead and give it a chance. I think they'll be glad they did. Yeah, I agree. I think that people will be pretty happy about it too. What are your thoughts out there on Miss Marvel after episode three at the halfway point? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, we're still much more to talk about on this week, my friend. And before we hit the 45-minute mark and the break therein, wanted to go ahead and talk about this weekend at the box office because, you know, we're in Vegas and the odds are all over the place right now on who will win the domestic box office Worldwide, I think that there's still a lot of room for Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion. I know a lot of people out there all around the world are catching up with those two flicks. Lightyear, I know it didn't get off to the greatest start. I know a lot of people are talking about how it disappointed at the box office for Pixar, and I was really saddened seeing the disappointing results. But if it has a strong hold, it could actually still win the box office this time around, even though it didn't win last week for the domestic box office. So there's that. There is Jurassic World Dominion, like I said, and Top Gun Maverick, which many people are pointing to could upset the entire field because of how strong this hold is doing for that movie each and every week. So that could end up actually stealing the show here domestically for this weekend, which would be a big upset. But then you have also as well, outside of Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear and Top Gun Maverick. You have coming to theaters Elvis and Black Phone. And the Black Phone, before we get into Elvis, I really wanted to go ahead and start a little bit on that. I know you don't dig horror movies. I know. That's really not my bag, man. (laughs) I know you don't dig horror movies. I have way too much of an imagination. I watch a horror movie, and then for like the next three years, any small creak or groan or thing that happens in the house is. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, but I'm hearing that this has got some decent reviews. They got some decent press, really good momentum when they showcased it for the first time here in Las Vegas a month ago in advance because of what went on with CinemaCon. Roger is saying Black Phone looks amazing. Roger, I think it looks really good as a horror movie. It is very disturbed. It is very demented. But the reason why I'm mentioning it so much is the fact that it is continuing the success story and the renaissance of one Ethan Hawke, even though... He actually hasn't had much of a down period of time. Ethan Hawke, though, is getting a lot of acclaim and notice for what he's doing here, what he did in The Northman earlier this year, as we talked about that movie, and that didn't quite do well in theaters, but has gotten actually a lot of critical acclaim. And of course, what he did in Moon Knight as the bad guy there. So He was so good. Yeah, absolutely. Just a really big part of what made Moon Knight kind of successful in my eyes as well. But I really think that... People need to go ahead, if you're a horror aficionado and want to go ahead and support what I think is a good horror movie, go ahead and check out The Black Phone this weekend at the box office. I don't think it'll be number one. I think it might be number five or six out of this group. But you know what? Again, a solid 15 to 20 million. It doesn't need to do that big of a a return in order to make a profit because these low money, low cost horror movies usually don't have to. Uh, psychological thriller more than horror to me is what Roger's saying. So yeah, let's go ahead and do a little bit. Let's talk. Let's let's go ahead and give it a psychological thriller more than that. But I think that also is being classified under the horror as far as the imagery is concerned to people. But 
Roger. I think Melinda would be scared anyways, either which way. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. I will say, though, that the big money right now, as far as what if or if not it will actually succeed this weekend, is Elvis. Now, Elvis is, has got a little bit more budget tacked onto it. It has the high uh, acclaim of having Tom Hanks in it, playing Colonel Tom Parker. And, of course, it has Austin Butler that they're just pushing out there as Elvis. All the ads have had nothing but him, not Tom Hanks in it, which actually surprised me a lot. They've had very little shown off as far as Tom Hanks is concerned. So my question to you is, Elvis, in 2022, this biopic, nobody seems to have a real good feel as far as where it will land as far as the success of the movie. What are your thoughts on this? Because the type of audience, I'm thinking it's going to skew older. And we saw with Downton Abbey that there is an audience returning that's an older age, but is this enough to support a movie like this that people in Hollywood may have some high hopes on? Yeah, that's the conundrum that I also find myself in. I know, I don't want to say I know a lot about Elvis because that's probably not accurate, but I know a lot about Elvis's music. Mm-hmm. And that's only because Elvis was to my mom what Prince is to me. And, Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you're wearing a purple rain shirt, so that kind of gives <laughs> right? it away. Mom was a ride or die for Elvis. He could do no wrong in in her eyes. And because of that, I grew up knowing who Elvis was and very familiar with his music and and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't know that that has been passed down to the next. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know that people in their 20s are interested in Elvis. And that's that's something I think a lot of people have to put in perspective there with Elvis as well is that. 50 years ago, Elvis was relevant. 50 years now in the future, in 2022, things are a little bit different. Yeah, I just don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they break down demographics for this movie or if there is a oh, yeah, breakdown for the audience makeup they of the will. movie. I assume it's going to skew older, like my yeah. age and up, maybe like 35 plus, maybe. But I think that you're going to be hard pressed to see folks under 30 in the, that's okay. in the theater for that one. Well, that's okay. I you can say that. my age and older. That's okay. You can go. No, I'm that. I'm right there. I'm 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 a four. Uh, four eight, eight, eight. So okay. You right. know, well, I'm a, I'm, yeah, we're we're both we're both Gen X. We've both been yeah. forgotten. We both understand. Pretty much as well, but uh, not forgotten by Roger though, because he did want yeah. to say that it was funny that a vampire would be scared of a horror movie. So he just it's wanted true. to especially that. especially Esther because she's a little. Yes, that's true. And he said there are probably a lot of young people today who don't even really know who he is, which I, I agree as well, because I know my daughters have had to ask me when there's a song on a radio of his that, you know, why are people getting it up in arms? Who is this Elvis guy? So I've had to explain it to them as well. So when you tell them the king of rock and roll, they just don't get it. So and I understand that because, yeah. you know, everything over the course of time loses even just a little bit of luster and sometimes it takes longer with some things sometimes it takes shorter with others so i really think right now that it's got a challenge here at the box office coming up this weekend but it is elvis this biopic is ready to hit theaters here around the world and especially here in the u.s so if you have thoughts on who might win the box office this weekend i think that it probably or maybe I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to say the hold is going to be strong enough that people want to go ahead and check out Top Gun Maverick. 
that's going to eke out a win over Lightyear and Jurassic World Dominion with, unfortunately, Elvis maybe dropping a fourth just because of what Melinda was talking about with the age factor and is counting on an age factor to go in there and check this out that may not be willing to go ahead and check it out. But we'll see what happens. But what are your thoughts out there on Elvis, Black Phone, and what's going on this weekend? We would be just so appreciative of all your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your social media, and of course, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, before we head on out, <laughs> I might use some more crow, you never know. Oh, but gosh. before we head on out, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> Right. They're going to do the universe. Actually, they're doing the universe right now because it is Beavis and Butthead do the universe that dropped this week on Paramount Plus. And your thoughts on this? I know my good friend, Mr. Jamie Monroy, he had had some thoughts that I often play on a promo that we do that we actually share from time to time talking about the same thing that we talked about with Elvis. Is this going to still remain relevant? Is Beavis and Butthead still going to be relevant 25 years later after they reached the height of their success. I know they came back in 2011 with a series of short series. They tried to go ahead and, and reach into that nostalgia then. Really didn't click. The reviews are pretty solid. And Paramount Plus promoting it as a movie might actually be able to get it done as far as Beavis and Butthead maybe being popular with the kids once again. <laughs> So what I'm hearing is Beavis and Butthead are going through their midlife crisis. Well, there's a still somehow they get transported into now because Uh they learn more about our universe, our, uh, how should I say, our time, smartphones. There's a gag in there that they keep on doing with smartphones and learning how to use that. And obviously it doing an epic fail off of that. So I don't want to put too much into there and put too many spoilers into there. So. With Beavis and Butthead, though, it is something that I think people need to go ahead and understand that this was something that reached a level, I don't even, th- I, maybe the Simpsons and South Park have reached, but they were really just killing it for MTV at the height of their success. Yeah, and I mean, I, I was always more of a, a run and stimpy girl myself. You and I uh, both. Yeah, more so than Beavis and Butthead. I think that I was just... You idiot, Stimpy. (laughs) Right. And the episode with Mr. Stinky. Oh, my gosh. I mean. I will tell you this. Before we go into Ren and Stimpy, there's there's actually a Mad Dog Hoek and Killer Cadogan wrestling episode that they did. Uh And I literally lost everything. Tears coming down my eyes. (laughs) I actually think I might have just went in my pants because it was just so funny. I have. (laughs) It's probably my one of my top three 
laughter moments is when I saw that episode. I really just the the gags in that episode was just truly just so funny. But yeah, right. I'm actually go. Uh, I, I actually told you I got a shirt of that. I actually yeah. got a shirt of Randstemmy, and I wore it for so many years and so many times that it actually became such a holy shirt. And I'm not talking about any religion type shirt. It actually became a full of holes because it just the fabric couldn't just stay with it in the wash, and it just became a big joke with my family because it just got to the point where it was looking like a '70s disco shirt with all the holes in it. Robbie has been in and out of the door twice since we started talking about Beavis and Butthead. He is dying to talk about it. Do you want to pop him on for a second? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pop him on for a second. <laughs> so the significant other for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, Robbie Ross is joining the show. You can catch what he's doing with Vampires and Vitae and also as well, everything that he's doing for Pop Culture Cosmos. Robbie, good to have you here, my friend. Good oh, to have you I, here. I, I mean, can I start with, I need some teepee. That's incredible. Oh, yes. I mean, like, <laughs> don't I, say where, don't say where, no, because you know, I know that's my yes, yes. I mean, to have something that definitely didn't need to come back, but looks like they're saying true to the source material, looks oh, like yes. the same jokes are going to be said. Oh, and I, I think they understand that, like, that's what that audience wants. Because it's been so long. I mean, Beavis and Butthead do America. What are we talking? Like 14 years? 15 years? More than that, yeah. More than that. I think this is finally the sequel that we didn't want, but we deserved. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's going to be fantastic. They've even said it's the world's worst science fiction movie. That's part of the advertisement campaign. Well, the thing is, I think of anything nostalgic that is being brought back, this has one of the best chances to go ahead and resonate with a younger audience because the crude humor still resonates. And the fact that you put them in a time machine, which is, I think, the the synopsis of the show from the 90s, and then you put them in a a today where they're actually in in today's environment in 2022, where they talk about smartphones and other gags relevant to today that tries to relate them to today's audience. I think Paramount Plus did a great job as far as bringing something back that people actually like and enjoy across the entire gambit of ages that are watching it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a really smart commentary too. I mean, like it's it's like they're capitalizing on the okay boomers from our Mm -hmm. worst perspective. Like the joke is finally funny. Like, okay, boomers, like do your stupidity. Like this is where that stupidity came from. This is like our avatar of being in the new world and not understanding any of the the current social constructs or the world and just having a boomer be horrible. Well, I think it just is fitting for everything 2022. I think it just fits right in. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I I, I just overheard and I just, I'm actually, I'm very excited for the show. (laughs) I've always thought that Beavis and Butthead's comedy was more intellectual than it was fart jokes because you had to get the reference of why they were being crude over something brilliant. So like the shock value of Ren and Stimpy was more of the shock value of the disconcerting ideal of youth of that time. So now that youth of that time should be us. It should be the 38-year-olds to 42-year-olds looking back into it. And they should have some version of recompense to their own coming to terms with how they were wrong during their time period. Then putting them in a time machine, which what it appears to be or a spatial shift, I think is very interesting because it's like if you jump from the 80s and had to live now, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't understand the 
places that we've all gone to get to where we are in the society now. And like, there are idiots. They get to be us if we didn't know better, which is by definition funny because it's tragedy happening to somebody else. That's for sure, my friend. But it is Beavis and Butthead do the universe. You got to get it today at Paramount Plus. So you two are on a mission to go ahead and check out Paramount Plus. Please go ahead and check out that. And while you're there, please, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I need to hear the Trekkie fans' opinions on that because I am a good Trekkie fan, but you are the super Trekkie fan. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for allowing me on. I'm sorry to jump in. I just think it's super interesting. And I do want to watch the new Star Trek thing. Yes, Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Robbie Ross, once again, here for you, right here at the PCC Multiverse. Please, everybody out there, let us know your thoughts on Beavis and Butthead doing the universe. My gosh, they've been set loose upon the entire universe right there at Paramount+. Plus. Share us your thoughts. Are you excited for a return of Beavis and Butthead? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before you and I head out, before some final thoughts from you, my friend, Westworld Season 4 hits this weekend to HBO Max. Something that I've said over the course of time was really important when season one came around because we were ending our run with Game of Thrones. So HBO needed another pillar and foundation to go ahead and really support what they were doing long term. This was just before HBO Max really was Westworld season one. Season one was, I guess, uh, a big event. It was really watched by a lot of people. But people were just, I don't know if they were getting it or they were just really getting into it the way that I think HBO wanted to. Three seasons have passed as we go into season four with HBO Max now a major part of what is driving HBO, not just the channel itself. And Westworld is no longer with all the great content that they produced over the past 18 months that they put out there on HBO Max. The main cog that has to drive this engine for HBO. So I want to hear your thoughts. Could we be seeing the final episodes for Westworld season four? If if that was the case, wouldn't we have heard by now? Not necessarily. It's based off ratings. So whatever the ratings are for both HBO and HBO Max, ultimately that will decide whether or not Westworld will end its run after this season. Yeah, I suppose. I honestly, I don't think this is going to be the last season for that show. I think that the fans of the show are are the diehard fans that every show wants to get. And I just think that people are going to stick with it. Well, a lot of people haven't stuck with it. I, for one, I think I went through halfway through season two. And once they started leaving the park itself, it just became something completely different. And I'm not sure I'm with it. I watched a couple episodes of season three and I just, it hasn't been able to enthrall me and keep me going, watching it all the way through. Maybe I'll go ahead and give it a rewatch and be able to go ahead and check out season four after that. But I think that a lot of more people like me haven't stuck with it maybe as long as HBO has wanted them to stick around. Sure. I mean, I've caught the show like here and there, season one, here and there, season two. And Rob's a big Westworld fan. So I got to watch all of season three. I loved the action sequences on the show. I thought that they were incredible. So I can guarantee you that we will be watching season four, at least in this house. So they've got two sets of eyeballs. Maybe that's good enough for HBO and HBO Max right there for you. Those sets of eyeballs. I wish. But it is Westworld Season 4. Again, they're going into new realms now that they've been out of the park for quite some time. I want to hear your thoughts out there. Are you still in touch with what's going on with Westworld? 
Are you excited for season four as it hits HBO and HBO Max this weekend? Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your social media. And of course, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. Guest appearance by your beloved right there talking about Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and you even got to have me eat some crow. I'm going to have one last piece of crow, a.k.a. slash turkey. So please, while I do that, any last thoughts before we head on out? Well, we should reiterate that Gerald is eating crow because he said that Diablo 4 was not coming to the PlayStation platforms. And gosh darn it, it is. Mm -hmm. Thanks to a press release officially done by Blizzard. So (laughs) I know I'm very excited for it. Good crow. Good crow. Good crow. Okay, good. Google every single day diablo 4 pre-order to see if it's up yet (laughs) every morning i google it it's part of my wake up in the morning having a cup of tea is diablo up for pre-order yet i'm so excited let's hope for you that it will do a good job of being available on time no delays and be available for you for pre-order sooner rather than later there is a part of me that's like, even if the game doesn't come out for two years, I will give you my money now. And in two years, just remind me that I bought it and download it for me. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That's kind of strange that you'd want to hold your money out that long with Blizzard. But hey, okay, Blizzard will take your money nonetheless, won't they? Yeah, I'm sure they will. Well, I wanted to mention that Monday show with Josh Peterson and I, 50 Years of Atari, we'll be talking about that, the box office results, and more coming up on Monday right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But Melinda, it's been fantastic having you on the air. Mmm, that crow certainly tasted good, but any more thoughts before we head on out? I mean, any updates that you want to go ahead and leave us with as far as what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, we've got uh, the first stream of people around the table for Wizards and Wine coming up on Monday night. That's going to start at 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. Roger is going to be part of it. You hear him as a DM on Demolition Force. Robbie, who made his guest appearance, he's part of the show as well. I think that we're just going to start having at least a blow-up mattress in the house for Roger because he just comes to our house all the time and plays games. So well, he just said he still has an Atari 2600. So we'll see you there. Yeah. So he could bring that over. We could set him up a little TV. We could make okay. him his own little room. It would be wonderful. But no, we're very excited for Monday night. Been putting a ton of work into it. And uh, I know everybody who's part of the project is super excited and can't wait to get started and get things rolling. I wonder if he's had the issues with the controllers after, you know, it doesn't work for a while. You have to go ahead and take the cover off. You try to play it with the stick by itself. And yeah, yeah. everybody knows about the, all the things that happened as far as our age is concerned when they had an Atari 2600. So I know like it was the original console that you needed to have. If you didn't get the games working, you try to tap it on the side to see if it actually worked. I actually also used the reset button. It turned like 15,000 times until I actually got to work. So. <laughs> right. Oh, well, I don't understand. If if blowing in the cartridges never worked, then why did the cartridges always work after I blew on it? I don't, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So Roger says he knows how to repair it. He said that was more Nintendo. Well, yeah, it was more Nintendo. But if you saw me in the early 80s with my 2600, you'd probably say a little bit different. I picture you with like a flock of seagulls hair. Did you have flock of seagulls hair? No, no, no. I ran 
pardon the pun, away from the Flock of Seagulls here. <laughs> I did have a Frankie Goes to Hollywood shirt that I liked a lot. Uh, that's Naturally. what I was wearing around that time. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, just had a full red hair mush on top of my head that, again, I did the mullet. I will say that. So, oh, you yes. know what? I did a permed mullet. So okay. I feel All your right. pain on that one. <laughs> In fact, I feel it every time I look at the pictures from that period of time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I see it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh eating crow indeed. Uh-huh. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glasser. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.